This is the art of demand. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Art of Demand. We put the show together to host a number of sales and marketing conversations around strategies, tactics, mindset, a whole range of things that enable you and your companies to generate real customer demand, capture customer demand, convert customer demand. I found in my experience that there's a lot of conversations and a lot of activities going on inside companies where often the focus is on the wrong metrics. We're chasing gimmicks and hacks or there's a disconnect between sales and marketing teams there's a disconnect between leadership and their marketing teams and there are so many obstacles to generating or developing marketing strategies which create uh, real revenue growth which drive incredible revenue growth inside of companies and on this podcast we have a number of different guests that join us for the range of discussions that we're going to be hosting over the next couple of months we are going to be hosting one episode each week that you can access either on our uh, Apple podcast channel, Spotify, or YouTube. If you take any value from any of these episodes or there's any questions, I encourage you to reach out to us, find me on LinkedIn, find my team, subscribe to the podcast, or check out the videos that go up on the YouTube channel. Now, for today's discussion, I wanted to dive into the topic of SEO in the B2B space. I've been hearing a lot of commentary and some contradicting contradicting opinions uh, and discussions around whether SEO still has a role to play in the B2B environment or really any environment, but particularly in the B2B space. Is SEO dead? This is an extreme version of the question. You see comments like this floating around online, but then the the other degree of this point of view is that SEO is not dead, but SEO perhaps is not as valuable a channel uh, to B2B companies as it once was. I disagree. I strongly disagree. This is where I wanted to begin the conversation. I don't believe SEO has reduced in any shape or manner uh, in terms of the value you can drive to B2B companies. In fact, I think it's a channel that's consistently growing in the potential impact it can drive to B2B organizations year on year. But what's actually happened? What's taken place? There's a lot of commentary around the fact that when B2B customers are making purchasing decisions, they're going through a lot of research and they want, they're wanting to buy from people that they recognize, respect, appreciate, and understand. And I don't think I'm saying anything game-changing when I say I agree with this point of view. People do their research before they get to you and they need more to purchase from you than simply your search result popping up when they made a query online. But here's the thing, right? When you're generating demand for a B2B organization, a product, a service, what you are creating is an ecosystem of activities that run alongside channels that will attract the attention of a person, lead a person into your system, start a conversation and a relationship with you and then become a customer somewhere down the line if you continue to serve that person in an effective way. So with that in mind, if that's, if that's the case, the question I ask of people that seem to be advocating for this idea that SEO no longer holds the same value that it once did, my question to these people is that 
Are people searching less now online? Are people not making queries online anymore? Is the search engine not being used anymore? Is it no longer a source of information? Is it not a channel that we use on a daily basis to get to answers that we want to our questions? I can throw a bunch of different statistics and numbers at you that would highlight the number of new searches that pop up every day, how much the uh, how much traffic the search engines Google specifically sees on a daily basis to, to establish the sheer footprint of the search engines, right? But that's not the conversation going on here. I don't think that's the, that's the problem. We all agree if we apply some level of common sense that people search online. However, what's happening is that the way people search and the things that show up in front of them when they search, those are changing. So the behaviors are changing and that puts a different kind of pressure on the organizations that are seeking to use those same channels as a, as a source of traffic or as a source of prospects. So what, what's actually changed? What has changed in SEO when it comes to B2B marketing? In this argument, I've heard a lot of people make the comment that nearly half or two thirds of all searches no longer result in a click. There's actually, there's some statistics published on Spark Toro. Uh, Rand Fishkin, who originally founded Moz, considered, uh, considered a leader in the SEO space and then sort of walked away from Moz to focus on Spark Toro, which is a platform uh, that you can utilize to connect with or research influencers and uh, media prospects, uh, as far as I understand. There, there's, a, there's a stat published on there uh, where uh, I, I read that two-thirds of all searches don't end up in a click, meaning people don't go to another page. So, so let's dissect this, right? What's, what's going on inside the channels? There's no surprise that as channels evolve, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, SEO, or, or search engines, organic search, as channels evolve, the platforms change the way that they serve information. They change the way that they serve the attention that they've garnered on this platform. They want to keep you on their platform as much as possible. So if you have an SEO strategy, if you designed an SEO strategy 10 years ago, your goal would have been to find the highest converting phrases. Typically speaking, you would have found the highest converting phrases or the searches that are likely to bring in customers, get your pages ranked for those, suck the traffic in, sell the product you have to sell. Now, what you find on Google is that you've got rich snippets. You've got information that's being served inside the actual search results page. If I search for the weather, I don't need to go to weather.com. The weather card pops up on the search page, giving me the weather forecast for every single day for the next couple of days. If I want to get the stock price of a public company, I don't need to go to asx.com or NASDAQ if you're in the US. To get the stock price, I'll type in the ticker and the stock price and the trends over several months, years, the market cap, every bit of information I need about the company, it will show up in the search engine. So the search engines are now being designed in a way where Google particularly, where a lot of the information you, you need access to can be served on that results page. So the argument is this, the search engine doesn't want you to leave the page. Therefore, you are not going to generate traffic. Therefore, it is not a good investment decision for you to focus on the search engines when they are more motivated to keep the traffic on their own site. Now, if your sole mission is to drive traffic to your website, 
then that's going to be a problem for you. But here's the thing. One of the biggest mistakes that I see most B2B companies make when it comes to making SEO decisions or marketing investment decisions is that they or you, the marketers, are treating SEO like a direct response channel. You're treating it like a direct response channel. So what you're hoping and expecting is that you will find some magical keywords, you'll rank your website or your pages for those keywords, you'll bring in the traffic, you'll convert people and there you go, job done. Whereas you need to treat SEO as an awareness channel and you need to treat it as a channel where you can build awareness at a compounding rate if your strategy is sound. We'll get to what a sound strategy looks like in a second, but you have to recognize that this is an awareness channel. If you play your cards right, you can develop a footprint in the search engine where you have a range of information and insights that's being served with your brand name's label on it. Even if the traffic didn't get sent to your page, your brand name's label is showing up. This information was taken from weather.com. Is SEO dead? When the question pops up in Google and the person hasn't clicked onto your page, well, guess what? When they drop down that little question box and the answer's sitting right there, it will say your domain underneath, hubspot.com. So what we've got to recognize is that if we're measuring the success of SEO or our efforts or making decisions in the same way that we that made those decisions or thought about it in 2010, then yes, it's going to look like this channel is a dying channel and not the place that we should be investing our efforts. But if we consider that this is an awareness channel, we consider that there are more and more searches being conducted online than ever before. We consider that we can win attention when people are searching things that don't directly relate to our product. We can win their attention when they're searching for answers to problems. They're looking, they're uh, making certain queries that fall outside of what we might offer. We have an opportunity to get people's attention in the places that they're hanging out, in the process that they're going through in any manner of their work, any day of the week. What we recognize is that, or what you will recognize is that you've actually got access to a major, major source of attention, not necessarily traffic, attention, and you've got the potential to create touch points with people that can grow at a compounding rate. So how do you as a B2B company make use of SEO as a channel in an effective, profitable, sustainable way? First of all, as a B2B company, SEO should not be your sole driver of business. It's not the strategy, it's not the channel, not the activity. You start your demand generation or your growth marketing efforts with. It's a supplement. It can act as a catalyst to everything that you do. And it can be a tool to amplify the impact of all your other activities. If you have a really good message, if you have a great content strategy, if you have really effective offers and promos that people can connect with or uh, make use of once they've connected with your brand, then SEO can act as an amplification tool. It's a catalyst. Right. If you measure the success of SEO in a matter of leads, traffic, clicks, you're going to be left disappointed, at least in the short term. It is a channel that can drive a very real direct response impact to your bottom line. You can generate qualified inquiries and leads through that. You can generate attention. You can, if not become the preferred provider for something because SEO alone is just a traffic driver, you can become at least one option for someone evaluating multiple options in a product range. But 
The real benefit that you'll get from SEO will be when you utilize it as an awareness tool, as an as a channel that enables you to create new touch points with prospective customers and clients, and as a tool that you utilize as a catalyst to everything else that you do. So as a B2B company, if you want to make use of SEO as a channel in your mix, the next thing you've got to recognize is how you run a strong SEO strategy. SEO strategy, especially for a B2B company, in its finest form is a content and a PR strategy. And that's what you've got to recognize. Now, with HubSpot's inbound marketing playbook being all the rage a couple of years ago and everyone having adopted this process where they understand that people make queries, we write content, we publish it and we get traffic. I think we all understand that the name of the game is content, content creation, but I need to go a level deeper than that because that's not enough anymore. And that's where all the bullshit is happening. There's too many people out there that are creating content for the sake of creating content because the HubSpot inbound marketing playbook said that's what you need to do. Anyone can jump into SEMrush, Ahrefs, a bunch of any of the group of organic search research platforms and find 20 keywords that they write content for, but that is not SEO in its finest form. Content strategy, PR strategy. These are not activities you can implement by simply creating the same crap that everyone else is putting out there. If you've heard about the skyscraper technique and uh, you have in your marketing career ever been on Brian Dean's blog and understood that to win an SEO or believe that to win an SEO, you simply take the highest ranking article, add a few words on, make it a little bit better, add another level to the skyscraper and that that will rank. And that's the only strategy you use. That's your whole uh, SOP. Then you'll be highly, highly disappointed. The search engines are now saturated with content. There is an unlimited amount of content on every topic you can find. What you will struggle to find when you search certain queries in Google is a point of view, an opinion, a way of thinking, examples, rich media content. You will get a lot of junk when you make a certain query. In fact, for anyone listening, jump online and uh, search what is B2B SEO or what is good B2B SEO? The first five results, first five to 10 results you, you'll get, I reckon nine of them will be absolute utter crap. And what I mean by that is that you'll find articles, you'll find content, and this is true for most of the things you will search online. You will find material and content that is the same recycled jargon or um, general uh, piece of work that everyone else is publishing. and. Everyone's just copying the, the same thing off each other. So when you get an astute or sophisticated searcher that's looking for real answers and they've gone online and you know what, maybe they didn't hear about a solution they need, um, about a solution they need from a podcast or get a referral. Maybe they genuinely went online to search for an answer to a query. And when they come across nine pieces of crap that all recycle the same general bit of advice, and then they've got one article there, one, one piece of content that is well laid out, has a strong user experience uh, design. They've got nicely laid out headings. You've got opinions in there. You've got a point of view. You've got what we call a combination of that explicit and tacit knowledge. You've got people that are sharing their experiences because the article's been written based on subject matter experts actually explaining what they've learned over the years. 
then you're going to find that you create a much bigger impact in that touch point and you, you are much more likely to create a relationship with that person. If you have ever gone online to search for answers to things, especially if, if you're in the B2B space and uh, you, you've popped in a query, think about when you popped in that query, what's the process that you went through? I bet nearly everyone listening to this would have jumped online, made a query, scanned down the page and thought immediately, subconsciously perhaps in microseconds, micro moments, check, check, check. Actually, these three, yeah, I kind of know that these websites usually deliver content like this. It's high quality or low quality. You know what? It's quite likely that this stuff's just going to be recycled crap that I'm used to. But you know what? Actually, this website here, this one, I know that their content is usually high quality and they've got uh, good examples and experiences shared across uh, or throughout the content network. So it makes sense for me to listen to that. It, it makes sense for me to access that page and I'll jump on that page. And you, if you did all of that, you did it correctly, you've now created an experience. I've, my respect for you has grown. The value you've driven to me has been substantial. If you really helped me in that moment, you have created a, a major proponent of your work and your network. I might not buy something from you right now. This is my point. It doesn't need to be a direct response channel. I don't need to take an action every single time. It's an awareness channel. But what you've done now is made someone aware of your brand. And the next time I go to search something and your work pops up again, I recognize you for being the quality provider of advice, knowledge, and insights. Therefore, in a sea of six pieces of crap, I'm going to find your article. I'm going to find your domain. I'm going to end up back on your site. And the beauty of all of this is that the stronger your content network, the stronger your content operations, as you scale this footprint out, the results that you get and the amount of awareness that you're generating is compounding in growth. It grows at an exponential rate because once you earn your positions for those queries in the search engine, you are no longer having, I mean, you will go back and refresh your content and make edits and updates to it, but you are not now paying for each and every single person that clicks on your listing. I'm going to clarify, SEO is not free. So people out there that call SEO free traffic need to recognize you still have to pay for content. Yeah, you still have to pay for management of that content network. You still have to pay for distribution of that network. However, the growth that you generate from a well-designed SEO footprint is compounding in nature if you play your cards right. So you've got a platform, you've got a channel where you've got people making millions, billions, trillions of queries every single year. And you have the opportunity to make yourself a preferred provider of advice, insights, and knowledge to that group of people. There are countless queries in there that you can serve answers for and these people will pay attention to you and you have an opportunity to put your best foot forward with quality content great experiences a point of view you've got an opportunity to demonstrate your experience and start a real relationship with someone that could then return back to your site your content many many times again and tell everyone else about it that to me is one of the most powerful tools that's available to us as marketers or business leaders and any any person that's seeking to scale growth at an organization. I was looking at some searches earlier around various things, just questions that I've been uh, kind of analyzing to see uh, how the search engine has been used by different organizations. So jump into the search engine and type in, what is product marketing? You're going to get a bunch of different results. HubSpot often taking the top spot and there's no surprise there. 
But you've got HubSpot, you've got Product Marketing Alliance, Drift, AHA, and uh, Widen, an Acquia company. Now let's compare two of the results here, right? If I pop down and we look at Widen Collective, Whedon Collective, however you pronounce that, what is product marketing? I get an article that pops up that very clearly answers what product marketing is. Small text, very, very text heavy. As I scroll down the page, no graphics, no media, no examples. Looks like textbook definitions. It looks like I've picked up one of the books, one of my law school books from back when we were needing to read thousands of cases uh, to pass an exam. Let's flick across to Drift. And Drift, I know, so this is the experience I was talking about. Drift, I know to be someone, an organization and a team that tends to create quality content. They like to uh, they like to serve their audiences with material that goes beyond just textbook definitions. So if we look at the article that comes up by Drift, now immediately, I think about it from a, from a UI or a UX perspective. I think about the experience I'm getting as soon as I hit the page. Big, bold headline graphic to get my attention, a real author with a date, which signifies that this is something that's got, gotten recent attention. Maybe I relate to the author as well, not often the case, but uh, we've created an immediate connection with, with the reader. They've given me some simple definitions. They have outlined what product marketing is. There's some links, there's a bit of a table of contents, but as soon as you start scrolling down, you start getting hit with rich content. You start they start delivering an experience where I'm able to visualize the answer to the query that I've made. Their branding is obviously layered all across it. So instantly I'm connecting all of these changes in perception with this particular brand. I can see that the tone, the language is reflective of an opinion or a point of view. They've taken that topic and made comparisons to traditional marketing. So they've really extrapolated the other queries or questions I might be thinking or appreciated the kind of marketer I might be to give me a real, uh, a real experience in resolving my query. They're giving me substance and depth. Scroll down a bit further, there's a comparison between two different types of marketers, the product marketer and the product manager, and they've explained who these two people might be further down again uh, i mean the the death just continues to build as you move down the page right now i may not and i often will not read that whole page the purpose is not to get people to read the entire page but there is enough here and it's well arranged enough for me here to be able to go through the page and get a a deep level of understanding to that particular query that i made and build a lot of substance around uh, my topic of interest right so What's, what's happened in this little step of the process? I made a query, I had a question, I jumped online, I found a page, I compared two pages. One offered me a rich experience, answered the query really well, built substance around that topic, gave me depth, and made me feel like I now could either absorb that information and continue my research further, but I've won in, at some level, or I've got the answer to what I need and now I can comfortably move off and think about the next thing that I need to do. Whereas the other page gave me a textbook definition, or at least it looked like a textbook definition, didn't offer much in the way of a point of view, no experience, no examples, no case studies, and just really, I mean, as a marketer, I clearly recognize this is what we call just an SEO optimized page, but really it did nothing to serve 
the need or desire that I had. So now I trust Drift. That's what's happened. I'm not a Drift user. I don't have a need for their product right now. In fact, that could be argued. Maybe I do. And I have been researching some of their solutions for uh, some of the partners that we work with. But what I've developed now is trust in this platform. They built credibility. I recognize uh, their investment in their audience. I recognize that when they show up again with a result, I can trust to go back to their site or page and get another answer. And that is the value of a quality SEO strategy. If you are chasing clicks, traffic, and leads, and that's your only metric for determining the success of SEO, then you'll be left very, very disappointed. But when you recognize that SEO or organic search is a channel to connect with millions and millions of people and maintain those connections and relationship, maintain that footprint with a little bit of maintenance and management and just a layer of sound quality strategy, you recognize that this is an enormous opportunity for any B2B company or organization and this is not something anyone should overlook as part of their long-term strategy. Now I'm going to wrap up today's episode there. I really wanted to dive into this topic because we've seen so many companies thrive, succeed with SEO as part of their strategy or marketing mix. And I'm really disliking some of the commentary that's out in uh, the open right now about the, the lack of value that some people seem to think that SEO holds as a strategic channel now. As I said, it's certainly not uh, it's certainly not an area that I would bet my entire company on. But if we utilize it, we implement it as a channel that is to act like a catalyst, an amplification to everything that we do inside of our, inside of our businesses. There is an immense amount of value. Now, if there's any questions after this episode, you guys have any comment have any comments or feedback? I encourage you once again to reach out to us. Find me on LinkedIn. Uh, find this uh, podcast on YouTube if you want the video version and want to see some of the examples and snippets that were uh, shown throughout. If you enjoy it, if you like it, hit subscribe, follow us along, follow the journey. We're thinking about doing some live episodes coming in the coming weeks. So uh, if that's something that interests you, then uh, flick us a message, send us your questions, and I'd love to get something organized where we can all get together uh, in a live setting and debate some hot topics. Thank you, everyone, and we'll see you next week.